Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. There's a lot coming up today. We're going to begin with this. The federal government has brought in 6,300 Syrian refugees after committing first to 25,000 and then 10,000 by year's end last year. Now the immigration minister is saying there could be 50,000 by the end of 2016. But the Globe and Mail, in a January 1 story, report of the federal government confirmed only 30% of Syrian refugees contacted about resettling in Canada have expressed interest in coming here by the end of February, Ottawa's stated date. And that's the second time in a month that Syrian refugees have expressed less than enthusiasm about making Canada their new home. In November, 28,500 Syrians, refugees, were contacted by text messaging. 3,000 appeared for meetings, and 1,800 said they had interest in coming into the country. So are we doing things correctly on the uh, Syrian refugee file? We're going to talk about, about that with Movement Shake also before the, uh, the end of this hour. But joining me is Martin Collicott, former Canadian ambassador to Syria and Lebanon, and Richard Curland, immigration lawyer who's provided policy advice on immigration and refugee issues to both the federal and Quebec governments. They're my go-to people when it comes to this issue. Martin, good to have you back with us. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Roy. Same to you. And Richard, Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you for Thank taking you. the time. Happy and healthy. Guys, let me just read from the Globe and Mail, and then I'd like your thoughts. Uh, Globe and Mail, December 2, 2015. Uh, only about 6.3% of refugees contacted indicated they were interested in coming to Canada when the UN got in touch with them between November the 18th and 26th. Beginning November 18, the United Nations Refugee Agency sent text messages to more than 41,000 Syrians asking if they wanted to come to Canada by the end of February 2016. They later found out that only about 28,500 of the phone numbers worked. From that, more than 3,000 refugees ended up coming in for interviews with the UN, and ultimately only about 1,800 indicated they were interested in coming to Canada by February. And then on the 1st of January, just uh, taking a sentence here, uh, part of a sentence, a sizable number of Syrians turned down the chance to become permanent residents of Canada. According to UN figures, just three out of every ten Households contacted about resettlement in Canada go on to relocate. Martin, you're the former ambassador to Syria. You understand the um, the ethnic makeup of the country, the the geography of the company of the country, the religious makeup of the country. I believe when you hear these particular statistics, what are we talking about? Are we talking about people who want to stay home, who don't really want to travel thousands of miles, or is Canada not approaching this thing properly? Well, I think Canada's made a mess of how it's dealt with it. Uh, the Liberals during the election campaign said we'll bring in 25,000 government sponsored by the end of the year. Uh, they said their their policies are evidence-based. Well, this turned out to be a lot less evidence-based than the NDP and the Conservative plans. Um, so they reduced that to 10,000 by the end of the year, government-sponsored. And then they found they couldn't even do that. They only brought in 6,000 people, and most of them were privately sponsored. What they've been doing is rushing the whole process so that the liberals wouldn't look too stupid in terms of the promises they'd made. It's not good for the refugees. It's not good for the settlement organizations. But it's an attempt to reduce uh, the liberals looking bad. Now they say we'll bring in up to 50,000 by the end of 
this coming year, 2016. Um, but I think they're going to have major problems. The, the problem, the reason why many Syrian refugees didn't want to come to Canada, they simply were told you've got to leave in two days or three days because uh, we've got to get you there quickly. And other countries, USA, uh, Australia, and um, the UK are taking up to two years to bring in more or less similar numbers into much larger populations. But we, we had to do it in a rush, really, too, so, so the Liberals wouldn't look too stupid. There, there are other problems, though, which I'd like to go into if there's a few minutes uh, later on. Well, let me just get Richard's thoughts on, uh, on what's developing. You heard Martin's point of view. Somebody has to be giving the federal government advice on how to proceed, Richard. Um, yeah, and this one is a classic, perfect example of how the private sector can do a better job in the selection. Here's the, here's the pull. Why are we focusing on government-sponsored refugees? Why is the United Nations sending out email looking for people to come to Canada when private refugee-sponsored groups are lined up literally for the next couple years with their own cash in hand to bring into Canada refugees who are known to them, family members, professionals, people who know Canada, want to come to Canada, and are queued up for two years because the focus is on government-sponsored. We save $800 million, tax dollars, if we took off the label government-sponsored and replaced it with privately sponsored. One of the things, Something Richard, that, that I haven't been able to understand, one of the things that I would, I would challenge is, why does there have to be a number? I know it's a, it was a political campaign issue, and, the, and Mr. Trudeau said 25,000, but why does there have to be a number? Why can't they just simply say, we're going to do the best we can, and the numbers of bringing refugees into Canada for the last 10 years, I think, have been acceptable. 26,000, I think, is the number, annually, on, on average. Why does there have to be a number? Oh, that operationally, you know, it's like saying, build me 45 houses. Well, how many stories? How many rooms? You need a number for the visa officers to go out and do their job. And remarkably, and I've been in communication with visa officers doing this work, they have sacrificed uh, their personal time, their family time. They've relocated halfway around the world to deal with this political promise. So let's not forget about the hardships faced by those visa officers trying to deliver on a government political promise, which necessarily must be married to a number. All right, let me take a break, and we'll come back and hear what Ambassador, Cur uh, Ambassador Collicott <laughs> wanted to say about this. I've just promoted Richard Curlin to Ambassador. <laughs> Thanks. Powers I have are just amazing. We will come back with Richard Curland and Martin Collicutt, and your calls will include them as well at 888-888-225-8255 on The Green Show. Your thoughts on the refugees, the Syrian refugee issue in this country. You know what's developing, and uh, I know you have thoughts and points of views and opinions. one 888 Call any time. We'll come right back. So the refugees coming to Canada. Federal government, the, the current federal government, during the election campaign, when they were running for office, of course gave us the number of 25,000 Syrian refugees that they wanted here by the end of the calendar year, 2015. Weren't able to do that. Then they said 10,000. Weren't able to do that. 6,300 is the number. 
And now the immigration minister saying that by the end of 2016, it may be 50,000 people. What's happening, I think, is and when we hear the stories that a significant percentage of Syrian refugees do not really have any interest in coming to Canada or don't want to come here if they're pushed and pressed to come here, I think it becomes confusing for people in this country to say, you know, understand what exactly is going on. So we look to the government for leadership. There doesn't appear to be very much of that on this issue. And then we have the Canadian Council for Refugees Executive Director, Janet Dench, telling CTV News that she thinks that Canadians need to be um, more willing to accept refugees from other parts of the world other than Syria. And that also creates response. And some of the response I've seen, Martin Collicott, former Canadian ambassador to Syria, immigration lawyer Richard Curland are with me. Some of the response that I've seen, Martin and Richard, is, okay, so what are we doing about, and I don't think people are bigoted or being unfair or unkind. They're saying, what are we doing about the people in our own country who are already having trouble, the unemployed or underemployed, the homeless, the hungry, the elderly who can't afford to heat their homes and buy food at the same time? Where's the government enthusiasm for them? You start to you start to get that kind of pushback, and I think, Martin, I think some of the pushback has to do with the confusion that's created by Ottawa on this issue. Well, not just confusion, but bad planning. And the Canadian Council for Refugees, for example, is an umbrella organization that represents 160 uh, groups that actually deliver services to um, refugees in Canada. One of the problems is that our money clearly would go far further if it was spent on helping refugees in neighboring countries. And we wouldn't have problems of security clearances and health problems and so on. But the refugee-serving groups in Canada are pretty well focused on getting people into Canada um, because they get government funding for that purpose. And their agenda fits in fairly closely with the government's agenda because it's not just bringing in a lot of refugees here. It's bringing in uh, people who are probably going to vote liberal, or they hope they will. The prime minister recently used a slogan, diversity is Canada's strength. Well, in fact, the truth is exactly the opposite. This is just plain political nonsense. Um, we have done very well in integrating people of different backgrounds. My family is a reflection of that, and I think Canada's worked harder than anyone else. But what they find now is that if you bring in enough people with very different backgrounds, the social fabric starts to fray, and that's happening clearly in European countries. So I think we need a very clear and uh, an objective picture of just how many people we can absorb. When you talk about refugees, everyone always talks about helping refugees. They never talk about the impact that this can have on receiving countries, and this is becoming quite dire in European countries. There's certainly been a reaction in Europe. Richard, what do you make of what Martin just said? Well, it's interesting, and of course, uh, as as, uh, always, pragmatic in the sense that a dollar does go a greater distance uh, when it's used overseas to help overseas refugees in in their foreign locations. Isn't that, when you look at the stats, Richard, and I'm sorry to interrupt, and when you look at the statistics, doesn't it suggest, when we're told that a certain low percentage of potential Syrian refugees want to come to Canada, doesn't it suggest, as most people would say, I'd rather be at home, try to create an environment where I can return to my home, as opposed to relocating me thousands of miles away? True, but politics trumps logic when it comes to this sort of thing and the liberal party the federal liberal party is rerunning a success story it had with the ugandan expulsion even today 
Decades later, when I go into business establishments, people talk about the late Prime Minister Trudeau to thank them for allow, opening the door to Canada, to you know, our Ismaili community. And that vote uh, remains with the Liberal Party literally for decades. I think this is a repeat experience for the Syrian diaspora in Canada. Well, how do you decide, Richard, how do you decide who is a refugee and who isn't? We've been watching this flow of humanity into Europe, and there's a lot of talk about refugees and economic migrants. And we hear that Germany, for example, wants to use military aircraft to fly economic migrants out of Germany, back to their countries of origin, because they don't see them as refugees. How do you de- who, de- who decides who a refugee is? Our visa officers have uh, the power to do that. The United Nations, case by case, will adjudicate that. Do they decide for Canada? Does the United Nations, Richard, does the United Nations decide for various countries, or do they just provide background information for the country to decide? They provide a, a label. This person is a convention refugee, period. Let me take a call. 888-225-8255, Roy Green Show, Chorus Radio Network. What do you make of what's going on with the Syrian refugee issue? By the way, Ms. Ms. Jan, Jana Dench, the uh, Executive Director of the Canadian Council for Refugees, I invited Ms. Dench to be on the program. I received an email that nobody could join us um, this weekend or this week from, from the Council. I don't know about going forward. I told them any time they want to come on, they're more than welcome to. Also, I saw on the website, Martin, that uh, core funding... For the Canadian Council for Refugees is not from the federal government. That was on their website. No, they get they get uh, the, uh, indirectly, I think, money from the uh, the, the 180 organizations that uh, they represent. Okay, let me talk to Dale in Alberta. Dale, go ahead, please. Yeah, Roy, I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, with all these Syrian refugees that the government plans on bringing in here, are they properly vetting? Uh, these people to make sure that none of them have any ties to uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS, and and there's no threat to the Canadian public that uh, they're going to uh, perform terrorist acts on... on They say, Dale, they say they are. Martin, can they, with the pressure you said they're putting on people to come into Canada? Dale, I thank you for the call. What about that, Martin? What about the vetting aspect? at all, because you you can't trust anything the Syrian government says. They have a bias. Um, but uh, the, the, certainly the other major countries that are going to take some are taking up to two years to uh, explore these problems. And I'll just mention a, a piece of research done by the Arab Center for Research and Policy Studies recently. They found 32% of Syrian refugees were opposed to, discuss, to the destruction of ISIL, and 13% held a positive view of ISIL. So you really have to check this out very, very carefully. And you say it's not, it can't be done under the process that's in place now? Well, it can't be done perfectly. I think, uh, you know, the previous government said, let's take minorities, A, because they're the most vulnerable, and B, because a, 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 a Christian or Yazidi who's being persecuted by ISIL is highly unlikely to become a suicide bomber. So that would reduce considerably the uh, security threat. Richard, do you have a concern? Well, I, I just I reflect um, Ambassador Collicott's previous comments on our previous uh, encounters together on the show, where it's absolutely minimal. Of course, there are no guarantees at any time, but considering that we have over 200 
of visits to Canada every year, about 400,000 a day. We're talking about 20,000 that are carefully scrutinized, 25,000. That's about three hours volume. So if bad guys want to do bad things, they have a much easier time of it coming through not the refugee flow. I told you, gentlemen, that I'd ask you to stay 10 minutes. Clearly, I didn't tell you the truth. <laughs> That's good. I asked you to stay until the 27-minute mark. I'm not telling you the truth. Can you, can you stay a little longer? Happy New Year's, of course. All right. Yes. Thank you. We'll come back with Ambassador <laughs> Collicutt and immigration lawyer Richard Curland on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. And you, the number to call is 888-225-8255, 888 8255. If you're in the Toronto area, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. Is Canada approaching the issue of bringing Syrian refugees into this country properly from your perspective? Do you think we're doing it correctly, or do you think it's a political move that's being tried to be completed, a political promise trying to be completed by the Liberal government. Just get the feeling watching Ottawa, watching the federal government dealing with the Syrian refugee issue that they really don't know what they're doing. That they're desperately trying to make up for a number that they created, maybe out of thin air, during the election campaign. 25,000 Syrians in Canada by the end of 2015. They were told all along that that probably wasn't going to be doable, but they kept at it. Then they said 10,000, and then it turned out to be 6,300. And now we're hearing from the immigration minister that uh, it'll be 50,000 probably by the end of the calendar year, this one, 2016. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Um, Brad tweets, Wouldn't a true refugee be willing to go anywhere to escape their plight instead of pick and choose? And Wayne sends this email, I've been attempting to sponsor my wife to Canada from South Africa for over two years now with no end in sight. Mm -hmm. I sure wish my wife was from Syria. Mm -hmm. um, Richard Curland, immigration lawyer, Vancouver, British Columbia. You say, what do those two communiques? Well, I'm hearing that, especially the latter, that these Syrians are Q-jumping my family's file. I get that daily. It's a very serious thing. Uh, and uh, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. However, it comes to the first point made. If these are refugees, they're going to want to go to the first place possible, and that's the Canadian balance. Uh, we do have processing times that vary depending on your immigration category. Uh, people don't get that. Uh, and so at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I respectfully might have to disagree a teeny bit with the notion of mismanagement. I think the government... Does that mean you mostly agree? Uh, yeah, except okay. for the point where you say they're not doing a good job. Well, they clearly, they Richard, when job. you look at the job that they've done or they're doing, and the way they, yeah. they, 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 they trot out numbers that they can't meet, and then they come back with another number and question and whether they can I'm meet that... To. Exactly that. Yeah, you know, if you look cold-heartedly at the fact, the number tossed, and it's a mistake, if not an outright error. However, it, in principle, the idea is let's bring a large number. And based on that principle, operationally, they're doing the best they can with the resources they have and they're falling short, not in terms of the numbers process. John McCallum was perfectly clear, saying 
that Canada has exceeded that uh, threshold of 10,000. There's more than 10,000 ready to go. They're just queued up in airports waiting to come. You know, when you, said, target. when you said, when you said, when you talked about them not quite doing the job properly, I can't remember exactly what you said, but the visual I had was starting to dig a hole with a broken shovel and then complaining that the shovel's broken. That's, that was the metaphor that I, that I came up with. Let me get a caller on the air. Uh, Dave is in Brampton, Ontario. Dave, go ahead, please. Hi, Roy. I just want to preface, preface a question I have with, I talk to a lot of people, and everyone basically has the same thoughts. It's, it's, and, and it's great to help the world and, uh, you know, support people that are in need. I get that. I'm not against that. But when the government uh, has two faces, like, oh, we can't help you, but we can help you, it reminds me of a, a small family. And you, your sibling is getting the PS4 and the, the cell phone, and you're getting some food and shelter. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Now, my question is, I read an article that said there were approximately 50,000 uh, Vietnamese refugees brought in sometime around the 1970s. I remember that. Um, has anybody done any statistics or research on how well they fared, how many left the country, how many went to a different country, how many actually be- became self-sufficient with jobs and were not a burden but a, an actual asset to the country? Um, Martin Collicott? Well, first of all, I think the government has talked a lot about evidence-based policy. I think this. Uh, I think that's a good point, and I think the government should look very thoroughly on evaluating this program. Was it well planned? Is it being effectively delivered? Uh, do privately sponsored settle in better than government sponsored? I don't think they'll dare do that because what they'd find wouldn't reflect very well on what they've done. The one area where the government's really been successful is in selling Canadians on the idea this is a national project. The rush is really to make the Liberals not look too stupid, but they've managed to convince the Canadians that the whole thing is a source of national pride. Even the Governor General's written, uh, said things in favor of So that's their single success in salesmanship, not the value of the project. They have got people working very hard, but they're trying to do it much too fast compared to what other countries think is at all. Final thought, Dave? No, no, no. Got to jump in there because there's, <laughs> there is ample empirical evidence year after year for those mass migration in the refugee category from Vietnam and Uganda, Hungary, and even the uh, Jewish population after World War II, conclusively beyond doubt, the economic performance outstrips Canadian performance in every single case. And my, my criticism, or potential criticism, of the Syrian mass migration is that we may be criticized for picking the very best. We are cherry-picking. I'm looking at who's coming in in the last few weeks, and this is I, But Richard, Richard uh, just looking at that Globe and Mail story, and, and this may be just a, a I don't know, a, a small number or just one, one or two stories, but they were talking about individuals who uh, you talk about bringing in the very best uh, and you're talking about people who have qualifications to uh, professional qualifications is that what you're getting at yeah and uh, advanced integration because because what, what the story talked about was what what the story talked about was uh, two individuals two dads i think it was who were basically illiterate who didn't want to come to this country and one of the questions i have is if you start to have more and more people at the point of origin saying, no, I don't want to go to that country, doesn't that then start to become a wave of opinion that can spread throughout the potential refugee community, that this isn't well, a place we want great. to go to because the others don't want to go? That's perfect, because I come back to my original point, which is allow those private sponsorships 
forward because these are people who self-identify. They have the credentials. Yeah. Money, I don't think people disagree with you on that. I don't think people disagree with you on that. It's a, Dave, final point from you, Dave. I just I like the, the answer. I just hope it's true that the statistics do show that a, a huge uh, that these former refugees have become a boon to the country. I, I've I, seen that I too. Haven't seen it, I haven't seen it in writing, but uh, I'll have to take your word for it. No, I've seen I've seen it too, Dave. I've I've seen that as well. And it's based on taxation. They pay more taxes than we do. All right. I, I have to question that, but anyway, uh, <laughs> there's time to do that right now. No, we don't, because we have a minute left. Eileen's in Calgary. Eileen, go ahead, please. Yes, uh, the thing that really bothers me about this whole refugee situation is that nobody is being honest about what the costs are beyond bringing the refugees in. These are illiterate people who are going to be on welfare. We're spending $8 billion a year on immigration. How do you and know? Ref- and the refugee portfolio. Eileen, how do you know there are illiterate people who are going to be on welfare? How do you know that? Well, they've said in the paper that these are people who don't Well, that was, that's, what, that's what I referenced. There were two people that talked about in the Globe and Mail. Uh, Martin, about, about 45 seconds, Martin. Go ahead, please. Well, we really do need to do a thorough evaluation. It's all very well to talk about earlier movements like the, the, the South Asians from Uganda, which is a huge success. But we're dealing with a unique situation here. We've got to evaluate it on its own terms. You've got people coming from Syria who, who will, for the most part, uh, not have qualifications, may not speak English. They've been immersed in not just anti-Israeli but anti-Jewish uh, educational system for several decades and that's been a problem in in sweden where it's dangerous to be jewish in some parts of the country so i think we've got to do this very carefully doesn't mean we don't take some but we've got to do it carefully and we've got to be very conscious of what the pitfalls are and we're not doing that we're just in a big rush to meet liberal campaign promises if they had never come up with a number that they couldn't meet we wouldn't be having this discussion if it had simply been we will do the best we can to bring people who require our help into Canada, we wouldn't be having this discussion now. Yeah, and do it properly, and do it in the time it takes to do it properly. Ambassador Collicutt, immigration lawyer Richard Curlin. Gentlemen, thank you, as always. Thank you. And the you. next time I say 10 minutes, assume 45. <laughs> okay. Good. Thank you, guys. All, All the best.